Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, hey Jonathan, how are you doing this week? Doing okay. It's uh, been a little bit hectic at the Howe house this week. Had a couple of sick kiddos, so that's, that's not been fun. That's no good. Um, I, I'm sure you guys are as ready for a holiday weekend uh, as yes, we are. I am, in fact. We're, we have a uh, cookout this weekend. That we're going to for uh, church, Sunday school, small group, whatever. And nice. uh, best dad's coming in to celebrate birthdays. We had two birthdays in the house this week as well. So uh, it, it'll be it'll be a fun weekend. Well, we had a birthday uh, this past week. And I figured out because of the way it fell, uh, we did some different things with family this year. And this will be the first Labor Day weekend in 10 years that I've not had house guests. Hmm. And so we are planning to do uh, very little this hmm. weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah, this, this Labor Day weekend is a little less hectic than my last year Labor Day weekend as well. Beth, Beth went on the, into labor with Avery on Labor Day last okay. year. So. That, I remember that now. Well, that will be, yeah. uh, it will be a much lighter weekend for you guys. Yes, a little less hectic for us. Yes. But, uh, but it's been a, a busy week again in the SBC. Yeah, it, it just continues. There's always something to talk about, uh, starting with that story that you know we're, we cover pop up every now and then, just watching how the CP is doing. Yes, uh, up 1.13%. That, that keeps falling. It's kind of getting back to that baseline, but we're also uh, getting back to the end of the year. So by the end of the year, I, I still think we're going to see a, a CP bump up, You know, maybe 1% uh, whenever it all settles in the next month or so. Yeah, and that's as of the the one point one three percent over the projection over the goal that that we had had. Mm-hmm. That was as of August thirty first. Now yeah. remind us what's the end of fiscal year that we're looking for? The end of September. Okay, so if we keep you know hovering, then we've we've come in just right at the right spot. Yep. Um, you know, and we can always hope that in future years we just keep giving. It, it just gets a little bit. A little bit better, but I know this helps them as they budget uh, for the next year. Yeah, and also the designated giving. Yeah, the designated giving is also up uh, 0.4 percent. So you've got the CP giving is up one and one, you know, 1.1 percent, and then the designated giving up almost a half a percent. So you kind of put them together, and you know, we're seeing a giving increase across the board uh, to the cooperative program and to the executive committee. Yep. So we just kind of keep watching it and it'll be interesting when the final uh, story for this fiscal year comes out and we see where it came in. You are correct. Uh, some other ongoing news. It kind of broke late last week. Didn't make it in last week's podcast at North Greenville uh, University. They released a statement. Uh, basically, a video surfaced last week uh, of the former president at North Greenville University. It was just a, it was a tough. I think most people probably are aware of it, but it was not what uh, anyone expected. No, there. not and, at all. Certainly not given his history at the school. Um, I think it was a big shock to a lot of people. Certainly. So uh, a couple of alums that I talked to uh, work at Lifeway were just blown away by it. And uh, they, we have the, the statement linked to it that gives kind of the details of everything that was in the video as well. Uh, but that's at the website at sbcthisweek.com. Turning to pastoral ministry, Lifeway Research has released another study this week, uh, and it's it's asking about this whole thing uh, that, that gets talked about often about pastors giving up on ministry. Yeah. And what they actually found, what they actually found is it doesn't happen like we think it might. Well, it doesn't happen like everybody claims it does. Because Correct. 
I've been saying this for the last three or four years. When I started working with Ed Stetzer about four years ago, we were hearing these stats, seeing these stats, and I started looking at the sources and started going back to it, you know, because we're working in life research at that time and started looking back into the sources of these. And, you know, there was one on pastoral burnout that, you know, 89 or 90% of pastors experience burnout. Well, if you keep looking back at the source, that was a straw poll at a conference for pastors experiencing burnout. <laughs> I did not know so that. It's, it's being propagated as this, this great stat and, you know, the stuff and people, right. and it sounds good and it, but it's, it's a fake stat. It's, it's totally made yeah, up, the, totally the methodology, invalid. That methodology oh, oh, is all awful. sketchy. It's awful. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it was, it was pathetic and it just is propagated as truth spread around, you know, and, and people just kind of take it as it's, you know, cause you can find a, a story about it online somewhere. But if you right. kind of keep digging, you, you find that all these things are wrong. The 1,500 pastors a month leave the ministry and things like that. I mean, that's another stat that's just all over the place. But right. we finally have good data. We finally have actual good methodology. And yeah. it's nowhere near that. No, no. And, and one of the things I, I really love seeing is, you know, they ask the question in your current church, they ask the question to pastors in your current church, where's the senior pastor from 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. 44% say it's me. Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm the guy. You know, we have some very, very good friends uh, from our days at Southern Seminary and uh, he's just passed his 10 year mark and it's just continuing to go strong and it hasn't been easy at all, but, uh, but he's still, still doing it. And he's, um, you know, he's among this 44%. And then the 56% that said, no, he no longer serves at the church. They still are not saying, uh, only 2% of them yeah. saying working in a non-ministry role. 2%. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. It does not match up at all to what we, uh, to what we have thought. And burnout certainly is an issue. We've talked about that. Um, you, you've talked about it a lot with Dr. Rayner, uh, in some of the things he does, but it, it's not, we don't have pastors leaving in droves. Yes. And, and there were, there was one question in here. I was like, if you ask the pastor's wives, you might get a different answer because one of the questions, cause these were surveys of pastors asked him, right. are your, is your spouse enthusiastic about life and ministry together? Nine out of 10 pastors answered in the affirmative. And I'm going, well, I, I bet if you asked the spouses, it probably wouldn't be uh, So looking Maybe not back, nine out of 10. Maybe not yeah, nine looking, out of 10. Looking back on my days as a pastor's wife, I would say it depended on the day. Probably so. You're probably yeah. right. But, uh, but that, was, that was an encouraging survey. And as uh, Ed Stetzer always says, facts are our friends. And this is, this is really good news. Yes. And there was a couple of, I mean, there's just some random questions in here. I mean, that weren't random questions, but just there's a lot of information in this study. I, I would recommend you go read the entire uh, study. There's links all over it uh, for different, you know, downloads and you can get the full results. But uh, they even asked pastors, do you have another staff member present when counseling those of the opposite gender? You know, we, we talked about the Ashley Madison stuff a little bit in the last couple of weeks, uh, a lot offline, but, you know, trying to el- eliminate the possibility of any impropriety in there. And 78% of pastors have a, a, somebody else in there when they're counseling someone of the opposite gender. 
So right. pastors really taking that safeguard. Yeah, we see a lot of things. 85% say that they unplug to rest at least one day a week. Mm-hmm. Um, 59% find seven or more times a week for private Bible study and prayer, aside from preparing for sermons. So there's a lot of good stuff yeah. in this. 92% of pastors say their congregations regularly give a genuine encouragement to their family. Oh, I, and and the thing is, anecdotally, I mean, that was our experience. We had genuine encouragement. Yeah. We had There are tough days. But yeah, there are very, also very uplifting times. Yeah, and uh, and we look back on it, and even thinking of some of the hardest times uh, when Keith was a senior pastor, it is still was a really beautiful time for us. And so the it's nice to see the data back up some of the good things. Yes, you hear all these stats, and you go, just it just doesn't add up. You know, you start thinking, right. about, you know, I just don't know that many people who are dropping out of ministry and. Obviously, that a lot of that's anecdotal. It's not scientific, but at the same time, you, experience just doesn't match the stats, and you can't really find anybody whose experience does match the stats that people are quoting. And, and then you see an actual study like this, and it's just like, okay, well, this this makes a lot more sense. Yes. So, very very good news. Speaking of good news, it looks like uh, Northeastern Baptist College uh, they've got a special gift from Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. Golden Gate selling their campus. Yes. Moving to uh, from Mill Valley down to Southern California. Got a lot of stuff. Had a 2,200-volume collection of music references. I mean, this wasn't like an iTunes download library. I mean, they, they right. had hymnals, the, antique hymnals. The real stuff. Yeah, antique hymnals, which I bet are pretty neat. Books on music, all kind of stuff. Uh, music references, probably some uh, collection of music. Uh, but Northeastern Baptist College in Vermont went out to Mill Valley and packed it up and drove it across country uh, to the uh, college up there. So uh, kudos to Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary on that donation to uh, Northeastern Baptist College. Yeah, I know that they must be really excited. And it's going to take them a while, I'm sure, to go through everything. And uh, I know that, that that will bring their students a lot of a lot of joy. One other story coming out of Georgia that I'm still trying to get my head around, but Same it's here. just something... It's just something to watch. Um, is in Villarica, Georgia. The First Baptist Church there, First Baptist Villarica, posted a video that they shot on the school grounds. It was right before football practice. And then they had a caption that said, we had the privilege of baptizing a bunch of football players and a coach on the field of Villarica High School. We did this right before practice take a look and see how God is still in our schools. That was the caption. Put it on YouTube. Uh, of course, it's going around Facebook, lots yeah. of places. And the school district uh, has gotten a little squirrely about that. Well, yeah. Well, the Freedom From Religion Foundation are the ones that really get squirrely about it. Uh, and they wrote a letter to the uh, Carroll County School District on September 1st, uh, basically complaining about it uh, as a, con- a constitutional violation. So I'm not quite sure where this one's going to go. But yeah. I'm guessing this isn't the last we've heard of this. No, I think this story's got... Uh, it's got some legs. Got, it does have some legs. And, you know, they're asking questions, which I don't think... I, I don't think they're in, going in the right direction, saying, you know, they're, it's forcing them to undergo a religious ritual to be accepted on a team. How are they going to cross their coach? They have no choice. Uh, and, you know, those, those are, I don't think, the right questions to be asking. But, of course, I'm not going to to think that. Uh, but the school district is, 
is responding. They say they're investigating. Uh, we'll just kind of have to see where this goes. I, I think the fact that it was that it, the video was shot on school grounds, the captions saying what it did. I think that's probably raised a lot of yeah a lot of suspicion. So yeah. I think that's why the story's not going away. Yeah. We'll have to to get more details and, and see where it lands. One of the headlines I saw on this was a little bit misleading. It was like, you know, football team baptized prior to season or something like that. And then I, I you know, mass, like, oh, baptism, what, yeah, of mass baptism of football team or something like that. It was yeah. 18 guys and a coach. It wasn't like, right. you know, we, we made the entire football team get baptized. Because at first I was thinking, well, what kind of baptism are we talking here? Are we talking, um, you know, everybody's getting baptized because I thought, well, maybe they're, you know, sprinkling or something like that because well, that would yeah, be one when, big tub. Um, honestly, honestly, so when I saw the headline... I was headline, a little confused. Yeah, when I saw the headline, I first thought, were they using the... Um, were they using baptism to mean something else there? Yeah. Were they were they using it, you know, in, in a way that, that we would not like want... Like a Catholic blessing or something. That maybe right, that's what that's I thought. What, that's what that's I thought, what I thought it was at first. And then I, I clicked I on the, the link. Oh, man. Right. And then, I, and then I found it was a Baptist school, and I'm thinking, that's a really big tub. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think this is the, not the last we've heard of this. Uh, we'll just have to keep uh, keep an eye on this and see what happens. Uh, the First Baptist Villarica is a Southern Baptist Convention Church in the GBC and member of the Carrollton Baptist Association. So, Right. And that, and the pastor, the, the pastor has spoken out. He said that they were, the baptisms were held after school. They were completely voluntary uh, and they were not trying to cause any problems for the school. They, they also have provided financial assistance for the team to attend a football camp. They've done a lot of things in their community. And, and here's an interesting question. This, this starts to ask if they've done a lot to minister to the football team. Yeah. Uh, obviously and, I mean, they had 18 players and a right. coach there baptizing. And, so. Yeah. And then this happens and conversions happen. Uh, think about all the churches that are doing things to serve in local elementary schools. Mm -hmm. What happens if they build relationships with those students? What happens if they build relationships with those teachers and conversion happens? The people's eyes are open. They know Christ. Are we going to end up in some you know, situations like this. I don't know. I, I try, I usually don't kind of head in any sort of panic, but this makes me ask the question if the church has invested in this team and now this is happening. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll have to keep an eye we'll on this see. and we'll see, see what happens. On to another big item that we talked about last week here on the podcast, the reorganization and financial restructuring over at International Mission Board. Today, on the day this is released, we uh, received an open letter from David Platt. The SBC did. Uh, he wrote that and posted it at imb.org. We got the link at SBC this week. And really kind of goes into detail around some of the decision-making behind the financial restructuring as well as uh, just he also laid out some some uh, articles going back all the way to 2008 showing that this has been a pattern. It, you know, a lot of people were surprised by that and with good reason, I think too. Uh, but at the same time, we have been hearing about difficult budgeting and financial difficulty at the IMB for nearly a decade. I don't think I can remember a time since I've been in, really engaged in what's going on in the convention that these sort of alarm warnings have not been going off. I just don't think you're never prepared for the 
the moment that sort of the boom is lowered, that the specifics are, yeah. are really clear to everyone. And I think they, I think they did talk about, uh, you know, they talked to, I remember the year that they were sending 30% yes. your personnel. I remember when we were at our church in Virginia, Keith was a pastor and one of our uh, church members, their son had come through here, had gotten a degree and was waiting for assignment and they had stopped uh, sending out as many. So, uh, he was just kind of, he was put on hold for a while and, and not, didn't know when, when, or if he would be able to go. So I remember things before about how tough it was getting. It's just always in the moment where it's really, really presented Yes. that, that we say, whoa, whoa, what happened? Yeah. And, 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 and David's right. I mean, there have been articles, you know, going back 2008, 2009, he lists them all in here. But also, the IMB reporting to the SBC and the annual reports doesn't show this. So it's another one of these things, because I went back and looked at the annual reports, and I went all the way back to 2009, and the, everything looks balanced until, until 2013. Uh, the, that one showed a $10 million loss for IMB. Everything yeah. else shows balanced budgets. So, right. yeah, there were... Uh, articles and David's right, and but at the same time, the IMB was turning in financials in the book of reports that did not indicate financial struggle and financial peril. At least in numbers, I, in, I would, yes, in numbers. I, I would say on the flip side of that, I'm not sure how many. When you think of how many people have been affected and are kind of really set back by this, I don't know how many people really analyze the book of reports. Um, so even since, yes, you do, but even, even since 2013, I'm going to speculate a lot of people didn't even see that or read that. Yeah. Uh, so the big, the big thing that sort of gets everyone's attention, they're, fo- you know, we're all kind of focused on our own ministries, our own areas. But when you say six to 800 drawdown, yes. um, six to 800 that are going to have to be cut or, or hopefully this voluntary retirement incentive will really help that scenario. But six to 800, that's when everyone says, whoa. Yeah. So I think this was going to be tough either way. Yeah. And they have started sending fewer in recent years. I mean, David goes into the the plan that was there in the previous administration, a long-term plan uh, to send fewer personnel to, to replace fewer personnel, just kind of use attrition as, as a, as a, a means of getting the force down and getting the cost down as well. But he writes in here, that plan is no longer viable, for we cannot continue to overspend as we have for the sake of short-term financial responsibility and long-term organizational stability. We must put ourselves in a position in which we can operate within our budget, which necessarily means reducing the number of personnel. And like we said last week, 80% of the budget is personnel and support costs. You don't have a lot of place to cut other than people. Right. I, I think one thing that jumps out at me in this, you know, we're, we're all reeling from this. We're struggling with it. Uh, but he addresses that. He says that they spent hours praying. They spent yes. hours at tables discussing this. They poured over financial models. They looked at long-term impact. They looked at just everything they possibly could. And, uh, and so what we're experiencing right now um, they've been experiencing just exponentially more uh, in in recent months, and so there's there's something to be said to look 
and say they've taken this very seriously. This was something that um, it was coming. Maybe we just had a hint of it. Maybe we didn't have all the details. Maybe we weren't looking at all the details. Uh, but someone was going to have to do something. And that's where we are. Yeah. And, and David, in the closing, he lists, you know, how can we help? And, and there's, right. two, there's two big ways. One is to pray and one is to give. And, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, churches, we've got the Lighting Moon offering coming this year. If, if, this, does, if this doesn't motivate your church to, to really give to Lighting Moon this, this winter, uh, I don't know what will. Uh, yeah. The fact that we're having to pull people off the mission field, if that doesn't motivate your church to, to get it in gear with Lighting Moon, it, I'm not sure if, if you ever will. Right. I, and, and at I the same love. time, too, that, you know, that's kind of part of the equation. That's, that's the, the church giving the direct funding to Lottie Moon. There's also the cooperative program thing. So, you know, we've, we've talked uh, earlier in the podcast about how the cooperative program was up this week or, or this month. Um, the news release came out this week. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's, it's not just that 1% bump. It's also those percentages staying in the States, moving on. You know, there's that debate and that, that discussion that we continue to talk about on the podcast as well. Um, right. And, you know, I went back and looked at some of the averages over the last few years, and we're actually on a uh, percent giving uh, from states to the SBC Executive Committee. We're actually down uh, to 37.8%. This is something I sent you earlier in the week. 37.8% of every dollar given through the cooperative program makes it to the SBC Executive Committee. And I guess on a, an average, that would be about, what, 18.9% of every cooperative program dollar gets to IMB. Um, so if we get that percent up, then the IMB will have more money, obviously, and, and that'll, that'll trickle into right. it. But since David talked about the 2010, we're actually down nearly a half a percentage point in average, even with the GCR, uh, which is trying to move states toward that 50-50. Right. So this is, this is twofold. I mean, we don't need to just think, like you said, Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that this should make yep. a difference. That's I would part. Love to, I would love to see it. Oh yeah, I think our family uh, will will consider this in a, a a way this year to look and say how can we do more. Um, so I think that is, but but it, it makes the cooperative program discussion uh, much more urgent. I have a lot of respect for folks like Tommy Green yep. saying let's do it now, let's mm-hmm. just do it and do it now. Um, but we I, I know these are complicated discussions, but this. This demonstrates to us the urgency yes. that we have. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we did the, the GCR in five years. We talked, you know, it was a long tail plan. It was a lot of things still moving. But right now it's like, you know what, that, forget the long-term thing. We've, we've really got to start looking at these short-term changes that will have long-term ramifications. We can't make long-term changes. Um, I, don't, I don't think we can, can do that anymore because, you know, when we're having to pull off 600 to 800 missionaries off the field, that, that kind of makes it hit home rather quickly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll keep watching this. We really appreciate uh, the willingness of uh, David Platt to put this out there to help us just keep understanding what's going on and to really show his heart on the matter. So hopefully we will uh, have him on here to talk about this more in the days ahead. So to wrap things up, before we uh, do our resources, we're going to do this new segment, This Week in SBC History. And uh, last week, we talked about Hurricane Katrina. This week, uh, interestingly enough, there's been so much talk about the International Mission Board, as we, as we know, for the last couple of weeks. 
when I set this up a few weeks ago, did not know that we'd be talking about it so much. But this week in SBC history, on September 1st, 1845, the Foreign Mission Board appointed its very first missionary. Really? Oh, see, well, how about they that? Did. Yeah. Uh, so his name was Samuel C. Clopton, and there was another one that was appointed right after him, but he was the, the first one. Where, he did was he, from, where did he get appointed to? Uh, well, he was from Virginia, and he was a graduate of Columbian College and was sent to China. So that's where Southern Baptists had designated to be the, the very first strategic location for missions. Um, so... He basically, uh, he represents the beginning of what we called one sacred effort for the propagation of the gospel. And so for 170 years now, we have believed that we can do more together than we can do apart. Uh, one of the interesting things when I was looking into all of this, uh, you know, when we think about the SBC annual meeting every year, even up to Columbus, one of the most special moments for the messengers uh, that are in attendance is the commissioning service for our missionaries. Well, so I found this journal. I, I found some amazing digital resources online. I found this journal. It's the July 1846 issue of the Southern Baptist Missionary Journal, and it gave a report on the very first meeting of the SBC. So he had been a, he had been appointed in 1845, September 1st, and then in the first meeting, that's where they were getting ready to send him off. He was getting ready to get on the boat. Um, and they described the whole thing. They described how they were um, praying for him and uh, the other person that was going, how they were uh, setting them apart, laying on their hands, the services witnessed by a crowded, solemn, and deeply attentive auditory. And it said... Um, of all the meetings held in our city during the recent session of the convention, none surpassed this in interest. The scenes of that occasion will be long remembered as affording new evidence of the divine favor on our efforts and the increasing desire of God's people to give the nations of the earth the blessed gospel of the Son of God. We had assembled to commemorate a new era in the history of missions. And then there was an article later in that same journal about their departure, getting on the boat and all the people praying over their wives and praying over them and that they sang this hymn and they were crying because they were saying goodbye. They, you know, to, to these couples that they were never going to see again because of the, the time. So uh, it's just really interesting to see that. And, you know, we've had a lot to talk about in the last couple of weeks. People are thinking about the best ways to move forward but the truth is that the Lord has done and is doing a great, great work through the thousands upon thousands of people that have been sent on mission through the IMB. And it all started this week in SBC history. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, congratulations to the IMB. Their first missionary 170 years ago this week. Just absolutely amazing that 170 years later, generations later, we're still celebrating the same thing. So very, very cool. All right, on to the resources. My resource of the week is Christianity Today, the magazine. Uh, this issue that's current right now features Russ Moore, a obviously a Southern Baptist, on the cover. Christianity Today is probably one of the most respected Christian magazines, uh, definitely the most respected Christian news magazine out there, uh, in my opinion. Um, there are a couple more out there that are really solid as well. But CT has got a, kind of the history behind it. Founded by Billy Graham and Carl Henry. 
And that, that tradition continues on through the work of Southern Baptist Bob Smetana, yes. who's, who's yes. Uh, one of the senior editors, senior news editors over there, a friend of ours yeah. here in Nashville. It's just a, a good magazine, covers a lot of issues. Their, their online stuff is, uh, is very good. Bob does a great job. He's a good friend of mine and uh, yours as well. We've known Bob yes. for a few years, and uh, he, he does a great job at CT. Got a, you know, that's where Ed Stetzer blogs. They got a, a great you know, breaking news kind of thing going on over there. So Christianity Today. Yeah, very good. Check them out online and in print. Yes, so. online and in print. Yes. Click on those ads. Uh, absolutely. Uh, my resource of the week is a new history book that has come out, The Baptist Story, From English Sect to Global Movement. Um, it is by Anthony Shute from Oklahoma Baptist University, Nathan Finn from Union University. Yep, great I was friend able, of the pod. I was able to say that without getting sad and missing my friend Leah and yep. crying over her. That that um, news came out the uh, first week we started this, it, this podcast. It did. It did. Uh, and Michael Haken, who is at Southern Seminary. And basically, they came together and uh, said... We're, we're looking for a particular type of textbook, and we're going to write it. And uh, so I'm very excited. I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it's a textbook. I'm sure it'll take me a little while to work through it. This is a great, great contribution to academics. Uh, it's a great contribution to the Southern Baptist world. You are correct. I can't wait to dig into it. It's been sitting on my desk for a week or so since I got it in uh, from B&H uh, just a, a week or so ago. Uh, and just looking forward to get into that. We got the SBC symposium coming up later this month at Midwestern, uh, and I am I'm kind of a SBC junkie, so I want to read this Baptist history, prepare myself for the symposium. Hopefully, talking about the Baptist future. So uh, that that'd be nice. a good be a good groundwork to build upon when I go to the symposium. So I got to get I got to get through it before then. Very nice. Well, how, does that take care of it for us this week? I believe it does. So, uh, you know, a lot going on still. seems like every week, you know, we just never know what's going to happen. So so we had a couple of conferences this week. Maybe we'll, we'll get some details on those and how they went next week. The For the Church conference was held up at Midwestern this past week. I haven't seen any news releases on that yet. Maybe we can talk about that next week. I need to get somebody from Midwestern on to talk about that and also talk about the upcoming symposium that I just mentioned a minute ago. And also, Ronnie Floyd held a prayer gathering up in Little Rock this past week. So I have to talk to him, and uh, we texted the other day about that. I saw a lot of pictures and stuff that he had posted about that. A great event, it looked like, up in Little Rock with a bunch of pastors and just coming together for prayer for the convention for the future uh, of America as well. So. Well, that sounds great, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>